Well, hey, we're back. Good deal. I can see a lot better this week. It's not as blinding. So thank you, Catherine and my wife, for uh, adjusting things so I can see everybody again. This is a beautiful thing. Um, if you don't have a clue what that reference is, well, last week we had new lights, and they were very bright. And I looked like, after I watched it online afterwards, I looked like I was a ghost, and it was pretty cool. So if, if that, that's kind of something you're into. Um, but welcome anyhow. Um, so glad you could join us if you're just joining us. Uh, we're just getting into it today online, and um, we're digging into our very final week of our Ten Commandments series. Um, imagine that. It was ten weeks, and uh, we've come to an end. I mean, we're really excited for next week. Uh, we're kind of formulating exactly how we're going to incorporate kids into this one, but uh, I'm titling it as of now. Anything can change because I'm good at that. But I'm, I'm titling it right now, Take Me to Your Leader. And uh, if you're a 90s kid, you understand what that's referencing. If you're not, you don't understand how good the newsboys were in the 90s. You missed out if you didn't get the 90s newsboys. They were good then. They still are, don't get me wrong, but that was the original. So, uh, so we're going to be talking about uh, who is our leader and a uh, nice short three-week series. But So let's finish off this week with... The 10th commandment, which should be up on the screen, is found in Exodus 20, verse 17. And it simply says, you must not covet. Now, of course, coveting is probably not a word that you maybe have heard before. If you have, you might not understand fully what that is. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But really, the main point that we're trying to get through this message today is not so much focusing on the negative, but how can we focus on the good of this? And really the big idea today is I will be thankful for what God has given me. Now, understand that some of you who are listening or maybe here today, this is the first time you've been here and um, you're, you're going to experience something pretty crazy in just a moment. And um, just letting you know that when you come to our services during this, this pandemic series, um, things are going to be a little bit different. So you're going to hear this sound today throughout the... Hey, what's the big idea? You're going to stand up to your feet and you're going to say with me this big idea, which is I will be thankful for what God has given me. So that is the big idea today. That's what we're trying to get across. But what is coveting? What is that word? Now, I wanted to be actually semi-intelligent today. So I actually looked into uh, the original Hebrew word, what that means, and according to James Strong, this Hebrew word, covet, which is kamad, means to take delight in or to desire. Take delight in or desire. Now, I hope everybody in here takes delight in things, desires things. Really, truly, this word in the Hebrew is a good thing. However, as we're going to see today, desiring another person's possessions or position or their power can be extremely damaging. In fact, it is misplaced worship. Coveting, if you want to boil it all down, could be considered misplaced worship. Hey, what's the big idea? How did I know that was coming up? I will be thankful for what God has given me. You guys, you're, you're on it already. So we're going to take a look in the Bible right now in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 18. And if you're following along in the Bibles on the table or under the chairs, it is actually found on page uh, 
155, right at the bottom. It's like the last single sentence you can find is right there. So I'm going to be reading in a new version that we're actually going to be getting very soon. I thought we were going to get it yesterday and we could all be on the same translation, but uh, we didn't quite get it. And it's the CSB underneath the chairs. It's ESV. So I'm pretty excited. We got new clean Bibles. I don't have pen marks all over them and ripped off to pieces. And you could actually see the print on them. It's going to be fantastic. You guys are going to really appreciate that as you're trying to read along in the dark. And it was very small print. So 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 5. And this is, of course, of King David or to be King David at that, this time. And at this point in his life, he just defeated Goliath and had started seeing some pretty good success. And so he's coming back. And there's kind of a party going on, and you're going to hear how the then king, Saul, his kind of father-in-law at times, I guess, um, how he looked at David. And it says in verse 5, David marched out with the army and was successful in everything Saul sent him to do. Saul put him in, in command of fighting men, which pleased all the people and Saul's servants as well. And as the troops were coming back, when David was returning from killing the Philistine, the women came out from all the cities of Israel to meet King Saul, singing and dancing with tambourines, with shouts of joy, and with three-stringed instruments. And as they danced, the woman sang, Saul has killed his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. Saul was furious and resented this song. They credited tens of thousands to David, he complained, but they only credited me with thousands. What more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul watched David jealously from that day forward. And of course, jealousy, coveting, those all kind of go hand in hand. Now, if you haven't heard the end of the story and how things kind of panned out at the end, Saul ends up getting so jealous that he starts chasing after David and tries to kill him, chasing him all over the countryside, trying to catch him so that he could rid him of this threat. He was so jealous of him. You see, desiring possessions or power or position that God has given someone else over God will affect your relationships between not only others, but you and God. Today, I think we have some videos. Yeah, I know. What? What's wrong? It's over Billy Bob's house. Yeah. And he got the new PlayStation 5 with the Richard Petty sticker package on it. Already? Yeah, I know. And I only have a PlayStation 3. I didn't even think those were out yet. And I know I could be happier if I had the 5 than the 3 because it's too better. That's a lot better. So I was thinking I could either go steal it. But I don't think that makes sense because it's probably the only PlayStation 5 with the Richard Petty 
sticker package on it, and they know it was his. Yeah, that's true. Or I thought I could go collect old milk bottles and turn them in for money to buy one. Ooh. Because they're like $700. So I got a whole wagon load of bottles, brought them down, and I got 22 cents for them all. And then I started doing math, and it took me a long time because I don't like math. No. But I have to turn a lot of bottles, and I don't know if there's that many bottles. So I don't know what to do. I mean, I'd still like playing on a PlayStation 3, but the 5 would be better. The 5 would be better. But you know what, Bobby? What? The Bible tells us that we should be happy with what we have and not want what everybody else has. Yeah. And I know it's hard, but... You know, maybe that's something we could ask for for Christmas or something. Yeah, good idea. Yeah. That's a long time away, though. I know it is, but, I mean, we can't really steal it because that's wrong. True. And the milk bottles are just going to take way too long. Yeah, I know. Okay, maybe I'll wait and I'll be happy with the PlayStation 3 until maybe we get one for Christmas. I mean, at least you have something to play on. True. So. Okay. Well, I'm going to go finish turning these milk bottles in that I got. And okay. I suppose I could spend the money on some gum. Do you want a piece of gum? I'll get you a piece of gum. Yeah. Okay. Then maybe we can meet at the park? Okay. Okay. Okay, bye. Okay, bye, Bobby. I, I honestly don't know what we're going to do without Bobby and Sally coming every week. Like, I guess we'll have to work that out sometime. Ah, so Ephesians 5, 5 says pretty much something along that lines. And it says, you can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person, or covetous person, or jealous person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy, or coveting, or jealous person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Truly is a heart thing, isn't it? When we start going after things that God created versus God himself, we start worshiping the things in this world. And though it might not be a a statue or something that we consider a false god, it truly is, in God's eyes, a god when we start worshiping something that is created. But what this verse says is that a greedy person or a covetous person or a jealous person will not inherit the kingdom of Christ or of God. That really did something in me. When I read that, that really like, whoa, this is serious business. Amen. We can't be monkeying around with it. We can't, we can't be allowing the things in this world be more important than God himself. You see, taking delight in what God created over the creator himself has eternal implications. However you want to take that passage. And we need a remedy. We need Jesus. If you could turn to Luke chapter 12, it is on page 566 in the Bibles, under the chairs and on the tables. Jesus gives us a perfect example, a perfect story. We call them parables of what we are to do when we deal with coveting. Because we all are going to struggle with seeing things we like that we really want. Now, for you kids who don't understand who Richard Petty was, at one time, Richard Petty was a really famous race car driver. And everybody, including myself, wanted Richard Petty everything. He was a very popular NASCAR driver. 
We're all going to want something. We all see that car driving down the road. Okay, for some guys anyhow. We see that car driving around. Woo, look at that. That's a pretty, I'd like to have that. Or that new house. Whatever it is. New TV. The new PlayStation as Bobby had. We all get distracted. And the enemy wants to get those in there where you're not happy until you have whatever that is. And so Jesus is going to give us a story of somebody who wanted more. There could never be enough. And so he kept building these barns to hold more and more so he could enjoy himself. So let's hear what Jesus said. Someone from the crowd said to him, this is verse 13, chapter 12, Luke. Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. It was all about the money, right? That's what he wanted. Friend, this is Jesus said to him, who appointed me a judge or arbitrator over you? He then told him, watch out and be on your guard against all greed, all covetousness, all jealousy, because one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. You could say power or position as well. Then he told them a parable or a story. A rich man had land was, was very productive. And he thought to himself, what should I do since I don't have anywhere to store my crops? I will do this, he said. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and store all my grain and my goods there. Then I'll say to myself, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? That's how it is for the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Powerful, powerful passage. Now, of course, Jesus isn't saying here that you shouldn't save, right? We want to, we want to address that right away. It's not about whether you are saving for when you need to retire someday. This man here in this story is wanting to just party it up and just Get everything he can, keep getting, keep getting, keep getting, so he can live a lavish life, but not care about any single other person, especially God. His heart was wrong. It wasn't so much about saving it up so that your kids can have a college education or that you can retire someday and not have to work when you're 95, right? This is about his heart. Where was his heart? And from this passage, there was, there was two things that really hit home for me, right? Like for me, I I see myself in this man, first of all. You know, when I was in the grocery store business, I would get a promotion and I'd be so excited to get that promotion, right? I, I moved up the ladder. I became a manager, right? That was a great thing. I was so happy. And then I got there and I looked around and I'm like, this is lame. I want to get to be the store manager, right? And And so I just kept every time I would get a promotion or in the church world, every time I would get a position and volunteer or now now I'd be a staff position and I'd finally get it. And I feel like this is it. And you get there and it's like, it's not quite what I was thinking it was going to be, because why? There's somebody else who's better or there's somebody else who's higher or has more power. And it never is enough, is it? We're always looking for something better. Then Jesus comes along and he begins this whole, this passage, this story by addressing this man and saying, 
in verse 15, guard against every kind of greed. Of course, there's going to be people who have more possessions or better possessions than you. Of course, there's going to be people who have more power or better position than you in life. There's always going to be those people out there. Guard against it. For life is not measured by how much you own or how much power you have or what position you have. It's not measured by that. And here's what I know. As if it wasn't for other people, you wouldn't measure, would you? Like, I just, when I was thinking about this passage this week, I'm like, this man, he would have had no evil in his heart if it wasn't for the fact that there was other people around that he would measure up to. It just was something that was so powerful in my spirit. I'm like, man, I need to stop looking at other people. I need to stop worrying about what others have or or what position they have or what they do with their position. Because even if you look at somebody who has the same exact job as you, makes the same amount of money as you, there's always going to be something to compare to with them. There's always going to be something that the enemy of your soul is going to try to creep in and have you not be content with. If it weren't for people, we wouldn't have anything to measure against. In fact, Theodore Roosevelt put it this way. He said, comparison is the thief of joy. That was nice and clear, wasn't it? Thanks, Mr. Roosevelt. Now think about your own life. How many times have you allowed your joy to be robbed by somebody else? It wasn't like they were intending to do that to you. Maybe even in your life right now. What is being robbed in your life? Because you're comparing to somebody else. Contentment is crucial in your fight against greed or covetousness or jealousy. Contentment. We need to be content. Right, Liam? Hey! There it is! What's the big idea? In case you don't know, that's my son and... He's up there controlling all the slides. And without him, I can't go to the next one. I could, but then I might really mess things up. So now going back to our text, Jesus finishes this with the second thought that I wanted to share. First thought is, is we've got to figure out how to be content and stop comparing ourselves to others. Find contentment with what God has given you. And then the second one is to desire God. Verse 21, man, stop running after things in this world. And Jesus says, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. You're a fool. Wow. I don't want to be a fool. He's talking directly to people who understand the gospel. They heard the gospel. They understand who Jesus is and that he came to take away the sins. They're fully understanding this. They have a, a potentially even a deep relationship with them. And they still struggle like you and I with looking at what others have and saying, man, that would be really good. And Jesus said, stop worrying about what others have. Stop worrying about wealth and find a rich relationship with me. Jerry Bridges really put this 
kind of these two thoughts really well between being content with what you have and being passionate about Jesus. He said, contentment is one of the most distinguishing traits of a godly person because a godly person has his heart focused on God. His heart's focused on God rather than on possessions or position or power. Finding contentment, being thankful for what God has given you and say, man, no, it's not everything I dreamt it might have been when I was a high school student or when I was younger, but I have so much. And more important than anything I could ever get, I have Jesus. I have Jesus. My eternity is secure. He helped me understand my need for him. And now I'm in his family and I'll get to live forever in heaven with him. Like, like, oh, do we have that? Do you have that? Do you have a rich relationship with Jesus? Now, what that means for you might look different than it is for me. That's where we got to stop comparing, right? What does a rich relationship with Jesus mean for you? What does that look like? Because when we do have a rich relationship with Jesus, we find life. And with that, we're going to do our sword drill today. And so get ready for your Bibles. And I believe, Miss Tina, are you ready for this? She's ready. I see her phone is ready. She's got the, the verse ready. So get those Bibles out. And last week, I, I gave you an easy one. It was on your head. But I promise you, she's going to make it harder on you. She makes you work, and I like that. Can't make it easy. All right, guys. So for any new people out there, a sword drill is just a a race to the verse in the Bible. So I will give you the reference, and then when the guys upstairs play the music, you can start looking. So as Pastor Luke said, normally you put your Bibles on your heads, but down in extreme kids, we don't like to do things that way. We like to shake it up. So... Today, let's put our Bibles on our elbows. All right, I'm going to give you our verse for today, which is Psalm 37, verses 4 and 5. Psalm 37, verses 4 and 5. Go ahead, guys. When you have it, stand up and yell, got it? I'll ask you to come up and read it for us. Alright, Mr. Paul, why don't you come up here and read it for us? If you don't mind. There we go. Uh, trust in the Lord and do good. Uh, dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. There we go. Thank you very much, sir. And I will hand it back over to Pastor Luke. So this passage, oh my goodness, when I read it, it was like, wow, okay. I got to calm myself down. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Did you hear that? When you delight in the Lord, he's going to give you what you've been wanting all along, which might not be really what you thought you wanted. 
Commit your way to the Lord, trust him, and he will act. Like, he's going to give you a heart's desires, and he will act. Those are two promises. Those aren't a, you might get it. No, this is a, he will act. He will give you your heart's desire. But here's the thing. Did you hear there's, there, there's three things that are on you? Okay? The first one is you have to trust in him. That means you have to give up all control. Now, that makes it difficult, right? Because I like to be in control, and I'm pretty sure everybody in this room, online, and around the world likes to be in control. Nobody likes to be told, this is what you have to do, this is what you have to do, this is what you have to do. You have to go there, go there, go there. We don't like to give up control. The beautiful thing is, is our Savior is not a bad, controlling person like we think of, right? He's not imperfect. He's not a dictator. He's a benevolent God who loves us and wants what's best for us. So when we give up control, though we think of losing control as a bad thing, it's a good thing with God. And he doesn't necessarily make you have to do it right now. He's waiting and he'll continue to wait. Will you let him have control? Might be baby steps. That's the first thing. We have to trust in him. To give him control and then commit. Commit every day to getting up and saying, all right, God, this is your day. Mm, I'm going to trust you. I'm committing it to you. I will do what you ask me to. I will be obedient when you speak to me. It's hard. And then delight. That final step. When we trust him, when we commit to him, and when we delight, delight in him. Like you actually want to spend time with him. You actually want to do what pleases him. Then he will give you what your heart's desire is, which is exactly in line with his. He will give you your heart's desires and he will act. What are you needing God to do for you right now? Could be a marriage, could be finances, could be you're just, you're like everybody else who's going through COVID right now, like, um, can I, can I just have some peace? Um, well, first of all, turn off your devices and your TV and your radio and um, spend some time with him so that you don't have all that crap going into your heart, trying to cloud you. Just spend some time with him. Listen to what he is telling you. And then commit, trust. And then you will get him. The, writers of he- the writer of Hebrews in 13 verse 5 says, Keep your life free from the love of money or from the love of, of power or positions. Keep it away from all that stuff and be satisfied with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you or abandon you. Be satisfied with what you have. Delight in God. How do we fight covetousness? Jealously greed. We delight in God. We have a thankful, content heart. Is your work what you wanted it to be? I know many of you don't even want me to say the word work because that means you're thinking about, well, tomorrow. 
don't ever say that again. This is Sunday. I don't have to think about work today. We have a spirit in America of discontentment. The thought of work is like a bad thing. Like it's what I have to do in order to pay the bills. And God's like, no, be thankful for what you have. Just think about that. I think about, not not that we want to compare again, because we're speaking against that today. But I, I think of what others have endured in history. And we're complaining about a job that pays good money, that pays for our health insurance, that gives us vacations. And we complain about the people. We complain about our bosses. We complain about all these things. And I'm like, why? Why are we doing this? We should be thankful. God says that we need to be thankful. We need to be satisfied with what we have. Be thankful with a thankful heart. That takes care of covetousness right there. When we can be thankful with what we have, you don't even have to necessarily be a follower of Jesus. You can have contentment and be thankful for what you have. But man, when you have a relationship with Jesus, that gives you purpose. That gives you purpose for why. Why why would we be thankful? Because we have a Savior who's taking care of everything. Like, not only do we have a job, not only do we have health and coverage, and not only do we have vacations and have a house and have all these things that so many people in history haven't had, we have eternity. We know that there's something more to life after this place that we're living on. We don't have to worry about COVID. We don't have to worry about what the politicians are saying or not saying or what they may do or not do. We, we have Jesus. We have Jesus. Remember that you have Jesus. Every day when you wake up and you think about work, you have Jesus. And that's way more powerful than any negative thought that can come against you. And so today, I think we have it one more time, Liam. Hey! There you go. What's the big idea? So as the worship team comes back up, here's what we're going to do today. I want you to write a list. Behind the chairs, we have a bunch of scratch paper if you need it, or we have some on the back counter as well. I just want you to write a list of the things you're thankful for. I think that's a great action step today. What are you thankful for? And then start thanking God during this song. Just be thankful. Thankful that that he's given you life, that he's given you a job, that he's given you kids. Be thankful for the fact that you have a church family. Be thankful for the fact that you have a relationship with him, that you're spouse has maybe a relationship with him or your kids maybe have a relationship with them what are you thankful for because we are living in a season where so many people are discontent they have no peace they are finding everything wrong in the world that they possibly can and when we can do something simple as be thankful we are a shining light to the world around us by that one simple act of being thankful and as we go into this time at the altar, maybe you just need to spend some time at the altar and just say, God, I, you need to work on my heart. 
I have not been a very thankful person and I just, I need your peace. Or maybe today you came in here with a lot on your heart. You are burdened. You are overwhelmed. Maybe you, maybe you need prayer. Today we're starting something new that we used to do a lot in. Unfortunately, I have no idea why I went away from it. But we used to have the altars open where you could come for prayer. And we would have a time where we would pray for you. And so today we're going to reopen up the altars where we pray for you. And off to the side over here, I have a little container with anointing oil in it. And if, you, if you're new to this, this kind of tradition, we believe in anointing with oil. And that when we pour anointing oil on your head, don't worry, we're not going to pour a bunch of oil on your head. But we will just put a little oil on your head and we will pray for you. We believe that when, when we pray for you and the elders of the church or the leaders of the church, the overseers, the staff, whoever it might be, when people come and pray for you, that God is working and that he's going to answer those prayers. And so if you are anything, whether it's family, whether it's physical, whether it's financial, whether it's just you and God, you just need prayer for something, I will be up here and maybe somebody else will come and pray with you as well. That's going to be a time where we just get away off to the side and we pray for one another because that's what God calls us to as the church is to pray for one another. So if you could stand up, if you can, if you can't, you need to stay sitting, you can stay seated. And we're going to close in prayer, we're going to sing a song and the altars will be open. Whether you need prayer or you just want to spend some time with God up to the other side. Father, we thank you. As we wrap up this series, Father, it's been a long summer. And we've learned so much about who you are. You are a holy God who desires us to worship you, not the things you created. You have created these these ten commandments. We, We call them commandments, but really they're guidelines for us to follow for our good. You created them so that we could benefit. And when the society as a whole follows these 10 guidelines, we'll be a much better place. And so, Father, as we close this down, it all comes back to a heart, a heart of worship for you. And if anybody's struggling in that area where maybe they haven't given their life to you or maybe they've been holding on a piece of their life and haven't given all of it to you, I pray right now, by the name of Jesus, you will come into their heart right now and you will work and you will loosen those areas for they, so that they can fully come alive and fully release their life to you so that you are worshipped fully in their life. I pray that for every person, whether they're here at in the person at church or they're online. Father, you would do a mighty work in Jesus' Jesus' name.